Welcome to the PPM Academy podcast for project program and portfolio manager, where we will interview industry experts and discuss current and future trends in the world of project program and portfolio management and how what we do impacts our company's execution culture. I'm Gerald Leonard. Today we have with us Mike Hanna. Mike brings nearly 25 years of experience as a consulting executive, IT project portfolio and program manager, process engineer, and software architect. His background in project portfolio management started at NASA in the 1990s, uh, supporting large, complex initiatives such as the International Space Station and high-performance computing and communications programs. He has managed and consulted on $500 million-plus project portfolios and trained CIOs and others, senior executives in federal, civilian, military, and commercial environments. Mike is an active speaker at industry events, including local PMI chapters, community meetings, webinars, PMI symposiums, and in the agile community. He is a leading innovator of disciplined ways to integrate lean, agile, critical chain, and other techniques to drive dramatic breakthroughs and the performance of IT project portfolios. He's also the leading author on a recent book, The CIO's Guide to Breakthrough Project Portfolio Performance. Mike, thanks so much for talking with us today. Hey, Gerald. Thanks for that warm intro. I'm real excited about what you're doing with PPM Academy, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be featured as a guest here. It's an honor to have you, and it was great meeting you uh, a few years back at um, the PMI uh, Region 5 conference where we got to to, to know each other, and uh, I got introduced to your book and, and yourself, and um, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Hey, likewise. So listen, tell me your story. So, so, so how'd you get started? Yeah, so in, that, in the bio, you mentioned how I started off working at NASA. And in a way, you can imagine, you know, how much that must have spoiled me, right? How it was exactly. Program management space in particular to work on some pretty cool, you know, world-changing projects. You know, but that experience was actually sort of my first hard knocks experience, too, where... Uh, within four months of starting, you know, just learning the ropes on program management as a junior analyst trying to help improve how, how the space station program is managed. Right. And the initial baseline program was halted. It had suffered massive overruns. You know, the best PMs hadn't seen it coming. They had the best tools. Uh, they had ample funding. They had just about everything you could you could want in a program. And they were shocked by... Uh, an overrun of a couple hundred million dollars plus. Wow. And I thought, wow, you know, how is that possible? There's got to be a better way. Right. And of course, I was too too green to, to even begin to try and craft some better way. But in the end, uh, you know, we, if, as we've all seen, if you look up in the night sky sometimes, there is a space station flying. It has been flying for True. some time now. Uh, it is introducing some pretty amazing discoveries uh, and c- contributing to you know, to, to humankind in some pretty interesting ways. So that feeling like you're a part of something that, that created something unprecedented, uh, but also coupled with, wow, it took a whole lot longer than it should have, had massive overruns, you know, great, great return on investment, but what if it could have been better? And that pattern seems to have repeated. I think a lot of PMs out there probably will nod their heads at this, when you can finally see a project finish and you see the impact you've had, you know, what a great feeling to have been the PM on that job and to have created something, you know, uniquely valuable. Exactly. But few of us have gotten there without losing some hair, getting some gray hair, 
uh, giving up some weekends and evenings, uh, maybe even pushing our team to do the same. So you've been looking at my calendar, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking at yours. Go ahead. So it's this sort of strange feeling. I think most PMs find themselves in saying, you know, I love this profession because where else can you have such, a, such an amazing impact? But boy, at what cost? Yep. And in fact, in my case, I actually left project management for about a decade because I just couldn't pay the price anymore. Hmm. And I only got back into it because I started to see that there actually have emerged some techniques that move the needle, that make a difference, right. that allow us to move faster, that allow us to deliver more reliably, that allow that, that give us leading indicators when things are starting to, to go wrong mm -hmm. and give us more time uh, to inter, you know, run some interference, uh, intervene and, and figure out a way to nip it in the bud. So gotcha. with that, I felt like, you know what, it's time to, time to get back into it, time to share these innovations with others, time to add some of my own if I can, time to give back to the community. And, you know, I have, I have not a single hair in my head now, but uh, maybe a junior PM out there who's real excited about starting off in this direction, this, this wonderful profession we have, you know, maybe I can help them and spare them, spare them the gray hair or losing their hair. Gotcha. Gotcha. So with that said, you know, um, what kind of things do you think are poorly understood or unresolved? Because it sounds like that's where you're going with this, um, because, you know, there are a lot of projects that are over that have these overruns. Um, there are a lot of projects that 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 are not that are still missing the mark. And in fact, in your book, um, the guide, the CIO's guide to breakthrough in the beginning, you you guys provide some metrics. I'm trying to find that section here. Yeah, where you say that, you know, project selection, that only 42% of the projects are classified as having been aligned or that for project throughput, which is, I think, is a really uh, interesting concept there. Only 9% of the project uh, of respondents consider their organizations excellent at executing and project and portfolio reliability that only 17% of the respondents uh, believe that their organizations are able to reliably uh, um, D deliver the benefits of these of these projects. So what do you think is so poorly understood or, or, or is it just unresolved? Yeah, so first let me say that some of those metrics, you know, came out, they're the result of studies that had been, that had come out a few years back. And for those looking to get the most current snapshot, PMI does a wonderful annual survey of over 2,500 PMs and executives, PMO directors from all over the world in, in project-centric organizations and uh, it paints a pretty dismal picture with how we're mm. doing overall. And these are PMs basically looking in the mirror saying, hey, here's how my organization does at this PM stuff. And so I bring it up now because they just released the last one uh, for 2016, uh, just about not even two weeks ago. Okay. You can go to PMI.org. You don't have to even be a PMI member. And you can see a current snapshot of what I believe are some pretty dismal stats like the ones you were citing. Right. So to answer the question, I think it has to start all the way back at the beginning with how we even think of project management, how we even define it. And so if you go to PMI's definition, which is a pretty, pretty good definition, pretty well established, it says a project is a temporary endeavor undertaken to create a unique product, service, or result. Okay. Sounds reasonable, right? Yeah. Not wrong. That's what I study. But there's no mention there of the word investment. You know, when I mentioned, you know, the, the, the first NASA program was on the space station. Yeah, the ROI on that is pretty darn good, I think. 
but it cost a couple billion beyond what it originally what they originally estimated. Most of us in the PM space would consider an overrun of that of that magnitude to be a failure. Right. So the question is, well, is it a success or a failure? Well, it depends on the on the return on investment. So I would say a better definition of, of a project is an investment in time and resources undertaken to generate maximal positive impact. I like that. So think about that maximal positive impact. If you invest in real estate, you might hope for some some ROI on that over some period of time. But if it gets double or triple or quadruple, aren't you happy? Ecstatic. If you know what we've learned through microgravity research on the space station has generated massive amounts of unlimited upside. Hmm. That's what gets us PMs excited, I think. When we, we gotcha. when, a, when, an, when an IT project manager puts in some big financial system or, or some big enterprise system that that unleashes all kinds of un- unbelievable productivity in an organization, that's 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 the kind of uh, unbridled optimism that this PM business carries with it. But I think we PMs are taught that it's sort of like, well, just just come in within budget and scope and schedule, and that's really all you're here to do. Right. Well, most of us gotcha. know intuitively that's not all we're here to do. We're here because, you know, we're trying to we're trying to leave a big positive impact. It's kind of like we want to get away from the uh, the operation was successful, but the patient died. Right. We want to get away from that where we have a successful operation and the patient lived. That's right. So if you think of yourself as somebody who's here to, to generate maximum positive impact, there's no up there's no upper limit to that word maximum, is there? No. So if we can deliver the benefits that space station is delivering, for example, but at half the cost, well, we just doubled our impact. Right. Gotcha. So tell me, how, how have you recently or in, in the past helped customers uh, overcome and understand these challenges and overcome these uh, issues that you're bringing up? So, you know, there there is some interesting uh, discipline around it. Okay. Uh, where you can engineer maximum ROIs within the triple constraint, but but... Without getting into the technical details of all that, I think just starting by changing the conversation to the value side of the equation is the first big step. So recently for one customer, they were trying to put in an IT system, uh, the purpose for which was to minimize the amount of fines that this company paid. Uh, This company is a, a large international airline. They're heavily regulated by multiple jurisdictions all over the world. And if they inadvertently field a crew that has some issue with their passport or, or failed to requalify for some training requirement that some country might have, or, or one of myriad rules that they might find themselves running afoul of, they end up paying lots of fines. So the sooner you can get that project into operation, the more money you'll save on fines. Right. So the project originally had a baseline to be delivered uh, within a year, not bad. A, a team assigned to it, working away, some inter- you know, good advanced techniques, critical chain and lean and agile stuff being put in place like I talked about in my book. And they were bringing in the schedule early. They were, they, they were delivering reliably. They were, deli- they were increasing their speed and velocity, all great stuff. But they hadn't asked the question, hey, if this could be brought in two months earlier, what would be the value to the business? Gotcha. So just asking that question, said, you know what, the current schedule, we're not going to be able to take that system live anyway because it's the summer and we're busy. So either you come in in April or you come, or we're not doing anything until October. 
And basically that put in a, a, a six month period of fines that they were trying to avoid. Massive amounts of value. So even though the project then had a reason to go above the original budget, you know, by adding some resources and accelerating schedule. Okay. The ROI was quintuple. Excellent. Excellent. That just having that conversation can yield pretty big results like that. I think we PMs, you know, we, we talk about benefits realization, you know, you read PMI standard for portfolio management. They talk about benefits realization as an important part of the portfolio management process. I think intuitively we get it, but I think we got to go beyond just benefits realization and think about how can I change the baseline of my project to optimize the return on investment that I might be able to deliver. Right. You know, you talk a lot about that in your book. And one of the two things that I do want to bring up, I'd like for you to just comment on, is in your book, you talk about portfolio throughput and portfolio reliability. And both of us have kind of gone through the school of theory of constraints and understanding the the, the impact and the power that that model can bring to a portfolio. Can you elaborate a little bit more on uh, what you mean by portfolio throughput and portfolio reliability? Yeah, sure. In fact, it might even be easier to start with reliability since a lot of us PMs are taught to think in terms of success and failure, you know, coming in, you know, within plan. And if you don't come in within plan, then it's a failure. Right. Kind of given the sort of binary success or failure mentality. Uh, and, and for all its, its limitations, it does offer some usefulness when you start looking at reports like that PMI study that they do every year that shows uh, this past year reliability rates, you know, project success rates, are, in, are stuck in the low 60s. So if you think about that, that means over a third of project portfolios don't come in to deliver the intended business benefits. Imagine if that's your 401k, Gerald, and, and a third of your portfolio is delivering zero or negative value. That, that would hurt. Imagine then if you could, you could get that success rate up from the low 60s to, say, the low 90s. That'd be a lot better. That would be an instant 50% boost in return on investment. And I may be able to retire after that as well. Yeah, you know, I and mean, think about that. I mean, just a 50% a boost with no additional resources. You don't have to invest more money. All you have to do is is improve the way you aggregate risk at the project level and then at the portfolio level, and you basically get a free 50% bump in ROI. That's nice. So, you know, again, when you talk about it in reliability terms and success or failure, you don't always see how that relates to ROI. So that's the first one. Okay. But it's even more powerful because if you can get twice as many projects done without without any additional investment, Right. But three times as many projects done without any additional you know, investment cost basis. Well, you've just put your ROI up like triple, quadruple, maybe quintuple. Gotcha. So critical change, since you mentioned it's not it's not widely known. It is based on established things like critical path method. Uh, and it basically has shown that uh, that on average, the successful critical chain um, implementations yield about a doubling in throughput. So you give me a, a doubling in throughput and a 50% bump in reliability, uh, that basically would yield about a quintupling in ROI. And that's important. And I think it's, I think it's an area that um, a lot of project managers and portfolio managers need to dig deeper into to produce those reliable results, as you're saying, and focus on you know, how much value am I creating 
for my organization that's strategically aligned to the direction that the that the organization is going. You got it. Perfect. Well, listen, as we get ready to wrap up here, uh, I always ask my uh, my experts on the phone this one question. And that is, uh, what's one tip or strategy would you give someone if they were looking to grow in their career as a project portfolio management expert? I would say don't think of yourself as just a project manager. Think of yourself as an investment manager. Got it. So reading investment, even reading outside of the industry and looking at investment magazines and portfolio type uh, articles from the financial world kind of will help you think differently about it as well. What do you think? Yeah, you'll have conversations about bang for the buck and ROI much more than uh, much more than just scope, schedule, and budget. Got it. Got it. All together, much more effectively than your peers. Got it. So, Mike, if our listeners want to learn more about you, where should they go? So, there's a, a few recent blog articles on my website that are, of course, free uh, that get into some of this, you know, ROI maximization stuff. Uh, I think that's the best place to start. I've also been featured on the, the PMI Washington, D.C.'s podcast series. Uh, the most recent release just a few weeks ago talked about this as well. So a few free resources for folks to, to brush up and learn more. Okay, perfect. I'll put your web link uh, in the show notes and, uh, and also a link to that podcast for PMI and also a link to your book. So in conclusion, guys, um, this was Mike. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mike Hanna, author of the recent book, The CIO's Guide to Breakthrough Project Portfolio Performance. For more expert insights, go to Principles of Execution podcast.